Welcome to Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just change your mind. Here we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice, alongside me is my co-pilot Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this time will be Mayfair Witches. It's October. It's not. It's it's June, Ben. It's always October in my brain. Look, honestly, there's like four are, months in my brain. Are you a pumpkin spice latte soccer mom? I'm very close. <laughs> I, I, I don't like lattes, but I'm very close. Like there are like four months in my brain, and they are August, which is Gen Con. That that August yeah, yeah. is Gen Con. So there's Gen Con, Halloween, the holidays. Okay. And then the rest? The beginning of the year, which is like only important in my brain because my birthday's in that box. My birthday is also close enough to the holidays that I don't actually. There's th- there's three types of the year. There's uh, <laughs> I'll go back to the four. There's there's spring, Gen Con, Halloween, and the holidays. That's the times of year. So I think most other people also recognize that there's four times of year, but they call them the four seasons, and it's spring, <laughs> summer, fall, and winter. Oh well, yeah, you're right. Spring, Gen Con, Halloween, the holidays. Yeah, sure. I think that's the correct correct little. Anyways, though, so th- this episode, we're going to be talking about Mayfair Witches, which is a show on AMC. It's part of the Immortal Universe. Which, if you don't know the Immortal Universe, it's the Vampire Tales universe and the Mayfair Witches universe, which are the same universe. And if you still have no idea what I'm talking about, those are the names for the universes of the- that exist in the book series that make up things like the Interview with the Vampire, it's the Vampire the, it, Lestat, it's Queen the of the An- Damned. It's the Anne Rice-verse. It's the Anne Rice-verse that doesn't include any of her weird christian stuff or the mummy books the mummy books are part of the vampire series. no yeah they when are. i was looking it up ramsey was not part of it he's part of the immortal universe but he's not part of the tells of the vampire universe which mayfair which is part of the tales of the vampire universe but 100 percent ramsey crosses over into the vampires books. i was looking at the wikipedia when i started looking at this show initially because fun fact the show was recommended to us by our sister by which i mean my sister told me she wanted me to watch a show and we didn't have a show to review yet so i mean i suggested class the Doctor Who spinoff, mainly because I initially thought it was a spinoff centered around Bill. Yeah. It, it's not. It's centered around the college that the Doctor teaches at during the season with Bill. Ah. Bill's not involved. I think she's in like one episode, maybe. Mm, that sounds not as good. That said, the show has got a lot of comparisons to like a, calling it like a British Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I mean, that sounds fun. Yeah. We might so, have to do it at some point in the future. And I was well, honestly just looking for an excuse to start it because... Yeah, understandable. You don't have any more quality stuff. God, I, you've actually made progress on Doctor Who, which is crazy. I've also made progress on Sky on One Piece. I'm through Skypia, but that's that's a different. We'll, we'll get to that yeah. in July. 
Uh, yeah, no, but Doctor Who, we're, we're making it. Nice. But so Mayfair Witches is based on the book series by Anne Rice, also titled The Mayfair Witches. And episode one is called The Witching Hour. I thought you would have been on top of that. Sorry. That's where she is. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, it is, but I was still in Capaldi. Yeah, I know. That's interstitial content. We're talking about. You're the one that brought it up. I don't know what you're talking about. You're the one that brought up the class. I did bring up class. That's Yeah, you bad. brought up Doctor Who stuff. But you specifically brought up my progress in Doctor Who. So episode one of Mayfair Witches starts with, we see a woman sitting on the porch. And she seems- she's, she's sitting on the porch of like this gothic styled Southern mansion. Gothic styled plantation house. Yeah, those are the right words. Mm-hmm. And she seems out of it, dazed, looking into nothing. And we see a doctor approach. She, she's staring into the nothing box. Yeah. yeah. And we see a doctor walk up. He gives her a shot of some sort. And then he says he's going to review her files before he gives her another one. Oh, well, no, he doesn't even give her a shot. He bends down to check on her, says some things to her, but like he knows she can't respond. Yeah. And then the caretaker of the house steps out and she's like, they don't like it when her shot's late. And, he's, and he turns to her and he's like, well, we're going to have to wait even longer. I'm, I'm not... going to review the patient file before I do anything here. And then he, so he's reviewing the patient file and he's like talking to himself like, I don't understand how this can be the patient file for that woman. She's only 47, but like this is a lifetime's worth of documented care. Yeah, this is like a denarian's fucking medical history. But like the medical files like got a lot of notes about severe paranoia, delusions, suicide attempts. But while he's reviewing this file, he looks out on the porch. And he sees a man standing out there talking to her. And we, and we see her file, her name, right? I don't remember. I think we see her name in the file, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This woman's name is Deirdre. So he looks out to where Deirdre is and sees a man talking to her. But then when he goes out there, he, the guy's just gone. And he asks the caretaker about the guy that was talking to Deirdre. And the caretaker starts gaslighting him immediately. Like, yeah, like there's no one there. What are you talking about? She's been here out here by herself the whole time. Why would there be anyone else here? It's just you, me, her guardians will be back soon. Shit like that, yeah. And then he decides that he's going to pretend to give her the shots, get paid for giving her the shots, but not give her the shots. Let her actually wake up, which at first glance is like clearly malpractice and technically still is. But also, uh, as we'll shortly learn, also giving the shots would be malpractice because this is this is abuse, clearly. And we'll learn that it's even more abuse as we can do throughout the episode. It's not abusive to keep your granddaughter in a coma for 40 years, 30 years. You're right. But it is abusive to keep your niece my bad in yeah, a coma you're, you're in a medically induced coma for like 40 years if, if they're your granddaughter not abuse if they're your niece actual abuse yep Tr- uh, take sure the, i'm willing to make that statement and stand by it i guess take that from us your co-pilots who are both certified pilots and certified lawyers legally allowed uh, to no, practice no, no, in all no, 50 no. states i'm not a lawyer but i am a legal expert <laughs> certified to practice law in all 50 states and some territories technically that's not wrong right because you're allowed to represent yourself like so technically everybody's certified but it's not considering practicing law so. okay <laughs> <laughs> So we cut from there to this woman just driving a boat out on the open sea. She lives on the boat. It's a it's a boathouse. We see that she lives on her boat. It's uh, Alexandra Daddario. Yeah, who played Annabeth Chase in the Percy Jackson movies, those bad movies. Apparently, she also stars in White Lotus. I haven't watched it. Apparently, it's good. But she was also in Baywatch and a whole bunch of other stuff. I mentioned the one thing I was aware of. Oh, were you not aware she was in Baywatch? No. You know, the remake was Zac Efron and The Rock. I'm aware it's a movie. She was also in White Collar. No. She played Neil Caffrey's uh, girlfriend. No. Yeah. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Literally, yes. No. Do you think I'm wrong or is this a bit? I think you're wrong. (laughs) 
I'm literally on on Google right now. You're wrong. No, she. I know she looks like a younger version of the agent's wife, but she well, also. Fun fact: I think was also on Baywatch, actually. But she <laughs> not was, the remake, but the original one. But she was also Neil Caffrey's girlfriend in that movie. No. You know, the one that blew up in the plane. No. Yeah. No. Yep. No. <laughs> this bit is not good for the podcast. Yes, it is. It's not good audio content for you just to say no every time I say something. Stop being wrong. I'm not wrong, though. Anyways, though, so we continue on with her day, and it's her adoption day, so they're celebrating it like a birthday. She visits her mom. That's when we learn it's the day she was adopted, so they're celebrating. Well, her mom visits her on the boat when she arrives. Back yeah, I mean, close enough. You you can't know me when I'm saying <laughs> facts, and then just be like, yeah, close enough. I was wrong, but yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot a word. She didn't visit her mom. She visits with her mom mom i forgot the word with i'm sorry i'm sorry we use a very imperfect language so saying visits and forgetting one word implies that she goes somewhere whereas including the word that i did want doesn't necessarily imply she goes anywhere at all and she works at a hospital we know this because then she goes to work and she's a surgeon we actually know this because she mentions this in the conversation with her mother yeah but i mean that's not really important the conversations she has with her mom is unimportant it's i adopted you i'm so proud of you you're a doctor yay Okay. Okay. Literally the entire time with her mother is just to establish that she's adopted. Yeah. And that she's a doctor. We don't need to establish that. We get that literally in the next scene. But it's established in this scene. So. We also know her name. Yeah. We do get her name. We also get the doctor's name. The doctor is Dr. Stevens. Yeah. And she, this is. But the doctor's name is also Rowan because she's also a doctor. <laughs> Good thing we cleared this up. Dr. <laughs> Stevens is the doctor that was treating Deirdre. Yeah. And then Rowan is this doctor that we were talking about on the houseboat. Honestly, this show is just filled with doctors. It's not filled with doctors. It's got it's like, like ER. It's got like four doctors. That's too many doctors. And I don't even know one of their names. Yeah. I know it's got like five doctors because the neuroscientist dies. I mean, the neuroscientist wasn't a doctor. He's definitely a PhD. No, he's just, he was just a CEO, businessman. He's a PhD. I don't think so. He specifically mentions being a doctor in his like big lecture about like... Does he? Yeah. He's, he's like talking about like coming up in the field. And like, yeah, he doesn't like say I was a doctor, but he mentions like being a doctor. Mm, whatever. Anyways, though, so she goes into work and she's meeting with one of her patients. It's a young boy who's going to need surgery and he's really nervous. And she basically promises them that he that he's going to be fine, which is a isn't it something you should do as a doctor. I think it's like actively like advised against. Yeah. Yeah, it is because technically you can be sued for making false promises. But like the way it's worded, it's not necessarily a promise, but it really comes across as one. So she's getting ready to go into surgery. She scrubs in for it and everything. She's talking with. I, I don't I th- it's another doctor it's one of her friends yeah it's like another surgeon it's like the surgeon that's she that's training under her or something like I, I don't know the other words I, I don't know if like there's an actual hierarchy or if like this surgeon has just viewed the Dario's character as Rowan. like her mentor yeah but anyways so Rowan is scrubbing him for surgery and her friend informs her that Apparently, Dr. Keck, the head of surgery, has decided to take over this operation because the board is watching. Yeah. And so Rowan's kind of reasonably upset because this guy doesn't do pediatric surgery normally ever. He doesn't really seem to do surgery that often or care about it. But hey, because the surgery is in front of the board, even though it's also apparently not like a super no, they mentioned that he high profile th- surgery. That he does surgeries every day. Yeah, but he does like high profile surgeries. And like none. Yeah. And the only reason why he's doing this one is, the pro- is because the board wanted to watch this one. Yeah. And like, so they're getting ready to slice and dice this kid. That's the medical term. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. And he's wanting to, like, go in from the front. No, he, he wants to go in from the side. Because oh, yeah. the boy is currently positioned on his side. And when she gets in, Rowan's like, hey, I think you should put him on his back. I highly suspect that he has some issue with, like, the condition of the... I think it's the... Oh, I fucking know it. I have no idea. I 
the me- the medical jargon just like the- it was actually fairly accurate medical jargon i only know because i sat down and watched this with my sister so she mentioned which things were she, as she does as most medical professionals do or other people do when they're watching each other they're knowledgeable about they point out when things are kind of accurate or not yeah it's like when i watched hills and i was like look at all this wrestling stuff yeah but so she suspects that there's a today a deformation of some sort in like I think it's his artery or heart somewhere around there that if they open him from the side will cause another bleed. Yes, because it's causing it's like a thinning and too much pressure involved. Yeah, and so Keck and, opens him from the side. Yeah, because Keck's like we didn't have a chance to do any graphs or anything before we came in to do this. It's we didn't have time for it. So you're telling me this is all just based on suspicion, intuition, and intuition. No, I'm not going to do that. And then she's like, hey, last time you didn't listen to me, you almost killed a kid. Yeah, and he's like, I don't care. That's not how we're doing this. And so he proceeds to almost kill a kid. Yeah, because he opens them from the side. And like, they're having this conversation while the kid's still cut open, which I mean, honestly, I don't think you should be having these side conversations during surgery, but what do I know? And then one of the attending nurses is like, we're losing pressure. He's losing a lot of blood pressure right now. So then Keck steps in and is like, put him on his back. Apparently the surgery goes fine. The kid's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, after the surgery, Rowan bumps into her mother at the hospital, mm-hmm. which is convenient very like i guess her mom was probably like yeah i was i assume her mother was going out of her way to find her yeah but her mom's like it's back and like she doesn't clarify yeah but i'm not gonna like anytime anyone's in a hospital and they're just like it's back my assumption is oh okay so your disease of some sort normally cancer because it's the one that aggressively comes back generally is what my brain goes to unless it's a horror movie and then i assume someone has died to a monster that these people have witnessed before (laughs) yeah the monster is back yeah Yeah. that's like like, there are two options it's cancer or a monster and some people would argue they're both the same thing well you, you see this is the immortal universe and like her her just being like it's back i was like oh wait we got vampires back already <laughs> mm. it shows me that no it's cancer yeah which is kind of like a vampire i mean vampires take things from you cancer technically gives you more cells but it leeches off you cancer yeah is, yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, i realized yeah it's a parasite Anyways, though, so Rowan's pretty upset, and that's when she realizes that one of the people who was observing the surgery was a CEO for a company running clinical trials that have proven pretty successful for a new cancer drug. Daniel Limmel. Mm-hmm. Limley. Limley? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they say it's Limley. That so, makes sense, too. I was so reading notes. Rowan decides to talk to the chief of medicine, the chief of surgery, actually. Dr. Keck. Mm-hmm. To try to get him to recommend her for a part-time research job at the company. And- in the hopes that it'll allow her to get a in for her mother at the trial. Like, she's she, like, broaches the subject with him, and she's like, I was just hoping you could put in a good word. Like, that would be a part-time thing. It wouldn't interfere with me at the hospital. He's like, what good word do you want me to put in? And she's like, I don't know. You could tell him, like, the truth, that I'm hardworking, and, like... I have a good track record. And he's like, or you're right, I could tell him the truth, that you're a kiss-ass, and you and you think you're better than everybody, and... And the, yeah, sure, you try to appear civil and professional, but it's really easy to notice that you think you're better than everyone else, and that you are overly confident and arrogant like you were with that kid today you just assumed you knew what was going on with no actual evidence or proof she was right though yeah she was right I, 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 and like as that's going on she's starting to get kind of angry and we see like a flash of a brain and we're kind of going in through different neural pathways and stuff and we see a uh anterior artery i think it's on his prefrontal cortex you're putting way too much detail into it she just pops a blood vessel in his brain i mean it's more than a blood vessel it's a major mm-hmm. major pathway for blood not just a vessel which, and, is, which, which is, is why when he comes back later i'm surprised he doesn't die here which is why i'm surprised because they had to immediately 
rush this man into surgery. You know, no, I mean, he is in a hospital. Yeah, but apparently, supposedly, at least according to him, he's the best surgeon. So, like, but the second best surgeon operated on him. So, apparently, the second best surgeon is also really good at emergency brain surgery that they definitely didn't have any scans on at first. I mean, they can assume it's something probably wrong with his brain because he just dropped. But you're going to need to be doing scans to check his heart rate and shit to figure out if it's a heart attack or what. Yeah, you're going to do imaging to see if he had, like, a fucking stroke or something, but... We then jump from Rowan Murray attempting to murder a man with her psychic powers to her tearfully telling her mother about how she tried to murder a man with her psychic powers during her mother's chemotherapy. No, no. We jump from that to the past. We go back to the past where Deirdre is sitting in a confessional booth confessing to a pastor all these sins and the, the priest asks about if she's been still been seeing the man yeah and she's just like no i don't really need him anymore and uh he has he just hasn't been around but the priest doesn't really believe her and then she admits that the man has always been around even before her mom died yeah so he's kind of like family to her almost a father really yeah and she's like he's not as crazy as, as like my aunts are so like you know you it's know. probably better and the father is just like insert number of hell marys insert number of holy fathers do those and, and well, he's like not that you will yeah and while he's doing that she is scratching the name lasher into the confessional booth with her rosary yeah yeah with her rosary and then uh, she exits out of the church yeah and there's a bunch of girls tossing flowers in the air um that they apparently took from um a funeral or from the altar or something i'm not remembering the details on that a nun's yelling at them and our character here deirdre um yeah sees a man off in the distance and honestly kind of attractive man and he looks very similar to the mystery man that the doctor saw yeah earlier and then we see an old woman who i recognize i she's been in so many things but i could not place her actress her name is beth grant okay get out of the car and yell at deirdre you get in the car so they can go yes indeed uh beth grant american character actress she was in the mindy project i haven't watched the mindy project yeah we did i did not i, I could have sworn we watched i've never watched with, the mindy project with, with her sister i've never watched the mindy project okay my bad and i haven't either she was in speed with keanu reeves and no country for old men child's play 2 look i just know i recognize her dollface oh yeah she's in dollface so also she was apparently in donnie darko although i don't remember that so oh was she, she the old lady whose house they break into at the end? Maybe. She was the one who like had the weird mailbox and the one that they thought called a crazy old lady. That makes sense. Yeah. Like I said, I've seen her in a lot of things. I just couldn't place her off the top of my head. Yeah. I love Donnie Darko. That movie's so good. It gets worse every time I see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I haven't watched it in like a decade. So I can just remember how good it is and not have to actually like go back and watch it. Yeah. But from here is where we then cut back to Rowan. No, not yet. Because she gets back to their, their house and her aunt is like, how many times have I told you not to encourage him? Oh, yeah. And she yells at her um, and like sends her to her room to think about what she's done. And there in her room is the man who yes. we now know is Lasher. Then Deirdre admits that she's frustrated because everybody always treats her like a child. And Lasher goes, I don't. And she goes, yeah, you, you know exactly what I want from what we have here. And yet that clearly hasn't happened. So obviously you treat me like a child. And Lasher's like, well, maybe it's because you behave like one. Well, she, he says something along the lines of like no that's not right she pouts aggressively pouts at the mirror and he's like you're literally acting like one right now he then segues into a story about her mother when yeah. she was deidre's age telling that she was always going to parties at her brother's house here's the thing though so i'm not like from the way it's talked about because the way lasher explains it, it sounds like her mother would also get fed up with assumedly her sisters and then go to her brother's house for parties but 
I'm not sure. Like, it could also be this entire thing where, like, these are actually, like, her great uncle and great aunt. Well, it's Lasher specifically because... calls out Cortland as Deirdre's mother's brother. Oh, yeah, he does. You're right. Yeah. Sorry, my brain was just sitting here thinking for a moment, though, because it's like... I imagine that... Every time he, the, the relationship's talked about, it sounds like such a parental difference between all the siblings and her mother. I imagine that Deirdre's mother was the youngest. Like, quite a bit younger than everyone else, yeah. Yeah, like, our relationship to our sister, age difference. Yeah. Then Deirdre, essentially... At, La- at Lasher's insistence decides to go to one of Cortland's famous parties because he has them every weekend apparently yeah and she wears the same dress he was talking about her mother wearing man I wish I was rich enough to just be able to throw a party every weekend right do you know how expensive actual party throwing is it's so expensive and this is not like a low down to earth party when we get to it it is a pretty fancy party like if you're just having like a dozen people over that's that that's a little expensive yeah but like if you have like an open invitation party which is what Cortland's party apparently are mm-hmm. Heck. so expensive and then we jump back to the present and we- this is where rowan is now crying to her mom about how she's pretty sure she killed a man with her psychic powers while her mother's getting chemotherapy and her mother's just like that's ridiculous you definitely don't have psychic powers it's so weird to me that like rowan's immediate thought is I have psychic powers. With no proof that the thing that she imagined is what actually happened to Keck, because she's too scared to see what actually caused him to fall. Like, as far as she's aware, I assume at this point she's probably heard he had brain surgery, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't know if her imagining his fucking, like, anterior artery in his brain popping is what happened, or, you know, any other number of things, because brains hear this hear me out on this brains pretty easy to fuck up just squishy meats that die and get damaged really easy well also like it's completely possible that even though she remembers having that vision before he fit before he dropped to the floor yeah she was angry and then hysterical from watching a guy just fucking fall to the floor and almost die that could be a falsely created memory from trauma as a medical professional she should be aware that that can happen and so yeah But apparently it's happened to her in the past as well, uh, when she was a kid. Yeah, apparently there was a girl that got hurt with, like, just like what she imagined it. But she's just like, maybe it's like something with my genetics. I don't know. But, you know, I don't know anything about my genetics. (laughs) Maybe my genetics have made me psychic. Look, look. Have you read the comic X-Men? What if I'm an (laughs) X-Men? Quite a few of them are from, like, the New Orleans area. What if I'm an X-Men, Mom? You should get my genetics checked out. Oh, she doesn't even know she's from New Orleans. I know. I, I understand. Yeah. But... She, like, lives in San Diego, right? San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. One of the sands of California. But she's trying to see if her mother could do anything about getting her adoption papers released. And her mom, she's like, you know, they're sealed. I can't do that. I understand. We've talked about this and tried to do it before, but there's nothing I can do. So Rowan disappointed gets up and walks away. And then her mother reaches into her purse and pulls out a card with this fancy symbol on it and calls the number. And when she calls the number, she's like, hey, uh, I need to talk to whoever's looking into my daughter's case. Yeah. And like, honestly, at this point, it just kind of feels like maybe it is an adoption agency. Except, of course, that the camera pushed way too much in on the symbol on the card. So, you know, if something's up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally saw that. You did not page into the camera push, did you? Look, spoiler alert for my for my take on this show. The first episode's fine. Yeah. But mostly the show is just boring with a capital B, capital O. Like it, it's capital R. It's a slow start. Like, I don't know. Maybe with more magic and less just the exact same cut of someone's brain. Not even really popping a vessel, but just like a slow unzipping of part of the vessel wall. Because this happens again in this episode. Fun fact. We'll get to it. Look, if I was psychic, I wouldn't be using it to pop people's brain vessels. Yeah, no. Although I guess she's not intentionally doing that. But like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? 
fair enough. But the woman that Ellie, uh, Rowan's adoptive mother, talks to is like, there is a person handling your daughter's case. He's not available right now. I will have him give you a call back when he is available. Yeah, I would like to briefly just touch on like the place this woman's working at because she calls and we see the other woman at her location. And this one woman's just in a desk in the middle of a giant like central hub room. Yeah. And then she walks off to like an old filing system. Also, and, like in this conversation, Ellie is like, I need to know if anything's changed in New Orleans. Yes. Like, I need to know if things are different in New Orleans. Yeah, but this place just feels like kind of archaic, but also like it's meant to be kind of secretive. They've used a lot of dark coloring and panels. Because in any world with magic and secret organizations, technology for the secret organizations and magic stopped at roughly right before the internet at the very latest. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know why, right? Like you think if you have magic and technology, it just gets easier. Yeah, but no, I have no idea, man. So many things do that. It drives me fucking crazy. Like Warehouse 13, The Librarian. Like, you know, sometimes I'm just like, man, I really want some modern fantasy. And then you see a book or show that's just like setting something, in the, mo- se- setting something in the modern times. And it's like, blah, 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 blah. And magic. And it's like, that's so cool. And then you read it and it's just like, nope, we're not going to do anything with technology. And it's like, then, then why is it set in current times? Why? Why do that? Just give me a fantasy setting then. So Rowan, who still believes she, she psychically almost murdered a man, yep. decides that uh, she's going to go get drunk. And get laid. And uh, she convinces her friend with benefits Max, slash the bartender to go back to her place. By convince, we mean she just says, fuck it, I, fine, I, I won't hook up with you, I'll hook up with someone else. And then he's like, damn it. So he hooks up with her. He wants a committed relationship. She does not. That's their de- relationship dynamic. Yeah. I, I guess we get one little bit of foreshadowing here-ish. After they hook up, he's trying to explain that, yeah, I actually want a relationship with you. I want to find the one. I want to find someone. And she's like, I guess I can kind of relate to that. Like, I feel like I like I used to think about my shadow like it was the one. Like, it had always been there with me and knew everything about me and knew all my secrets. And then one day it just disappeared. Well, and also she's like, my shadow was a masculine presence too. Yeah. Like, yeah. do what I was thinking and it loved me no matter what. And then it just disappeared one day. Yeah, and he's just like weird. And then she continues growing about how she doesn't care about doing anything with him. So he puts on his pants and she's like, where the fuck are you going? He's like, I'm leaving. And then we cut back to Cortland's party. Yep. Everyone is shocked but delighted that Deidre is there because her ants are apparently incredibly oppressive. Yeah. When we meet Cortland, he's initially like holding a snake. Just like casually holding a snake. Getting a foot massage? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's recruiting a young man. To find two other young men. And, well, he's choosing out of these young men. No perspective idea of what they're for, but he's just picking between two young men. I'm going to go ahead and ruin it. He's finding a young man to deflower his niece. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah. Uh, which I think Cortland's in league with the ants in some manner. I think Cortland's in league with Lasher. Mm, fair enough, yeah. Maybe Be- not the ants. Although the ants seem to want Deirdre drugged and bound to Lasher so Lasher can't be out in the world. So I mean, maybe- they kind of just wanted to not interact with him. We'll, we'll get there after this episode. We can talk about things. Okay. But yeah, he, I he, think he, I have a different understand, uh, interpretation than you. So Deirdre's at the party. She's talking to Cortland. He's like, he compliments her dress saying her mother had one just like it. Yeah. It was her mother's. He gives her a drink. They drink. She meets the nice young man he found. Not through him, but they bump into each other. He asks her to dance. They dance. They dance a lot. They go hook up in a bedroom. Mm-hmm. And 
And Lasher watches them hook up from the distance. Like, the but creepy, creepy but is. During it, we, we get, like, a scene of them having sex. And in that is intercut with Lasher somewhat. And then the guy on top changes to a guy with masks and, like, claws. Yeah, he transforms into a demon. Uh-huh. And then we're kind of just done with that scene. And then the next morning, Aunt Carletta arrives. Mm-hmm. She's angry at her brother for letting Deirdre party. Yeah. And we see that something, someone, is being carted away under a sheet. Yeah, dead body is being mm-hmm. taken out the back as Aunt Carletta is out front, yep. standing in front of the car like she does. We then pop back to the present where we meet Cyprian, yeah. who is the agent assigned to Rowan, and he's arriving in New Orleans at the house to check if anything's changed, and it's still the same mansion from the opening scene. Yeah, he then calls Ellie, and it's just like, nothing's changed in New Orleans, everything still seems fine. Before he calls, he puts his hand on the fence, Yeah, which like he lets him see like through a portal... And like the portal goes, looks into the past, and there's a woman in, a, in pink hovering above the ground, and Lasher looking. Yeah, look, man, he's got touch-based memory powers. Yeah, there's a word for it, and I can't remember what it is. Psychometry. Yeah, he he's a psycho- psychometrist. It seems. I only remember that because it's a powered vampire the masquerade. But I was reading it. So then he. Well, it, the reason I remember it is because it's like the associated power to one of the houses I like. Yeah. The Tremere. That sounds right. But so then he calls Elaine's like everything's good. This seems the man is still here in New Orleans. You don't have anything to worry about. And Ellie's like, that's fine for now, but what happens when I die? What happens for the time when you call and I'm not here to pick up the phone? He's just like, I promise you, I will keep Rowan safe. Maybe it's not the Tremere. The Tremere the wizard vampires? The Tremere are the wizard vampires. Then it's not Tremere. I believe you're thinking of the Toreador. Toreador, that's the one. Thank yeah. you. Sorry. But yeah, Cyprian's like, if you if you don't answer your phone, I'll still be here doing my job, protecting yeah. protecting Rowan, da 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 da. And then we cut back to Rowan, who is now a new day, and Rowan is going to wherever the fuck Limley's business office is. Yeah, and she like arrives and he's giving this presentation to a bunch of potential investors or new recruits or something i think it's potential investors yeah it's it's this whole thing like look blah 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 blah. science will make people's lives longer this is gonna be great let's do it let's go team so we all deserve to live longer because we're white and rich and he ends the he ends the whole speech with look around you the people you're looking at might be the first generation of people to never die to never have to die yeah which if there's one thing i've learned about any scientist in any show ever as soon as they say Look around. We ne- we may never have to die. Uh, they're the villain. Yeah. They, they, they are... Or they're the first to die. They are the villain. They are perfectly encapsulated yeah. a villain. So then he walks up to Ro and asks her how she liked the speech. And she's like, well, I guess I never put together this study that you're doing with stem cells for cancer. It was also just to prolong life. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, if we can beat cancer, that's like the biggest fucking one, you know? But, it's, like, I mean, he's not wrong. Like, even, yeah, he's really not wrong. Like, if you could solve the issue of telomeres degrading over time Mm -hmm. cancer would still be the thing that kills us yeah cancer would be the big one so he's talking and she's like okay i'm ready for the interview or whatever and he's just like what are you talking about let's go see where we're gonna work and so he leads her through the facility and up to his like private office and he's like oh look at this statue it's an original by da 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 it's an original uh rodan rodan yeah yeah and then he just has this open like urinal area it's not open when he exits you can see that there was a sliding pocket door he could have closed oh which uh, makes so, it worse. Yeah, so he goes over and takes a piss while continuing the conversation with her. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's incredibly, like... She actively backs up out of the line of sight where, you know, she'd seen in the bathroom. Yeah, and, like, she's uncomfortable because, honestly, he should have just been like, I gotta use the bathroom one second, I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. That's the sane human way to handle... Yeah. But he's, he's not a sane person. He's, he's a He's power. a rich white guy who thinks he can live forever and deserves to live forever. Yeah. 
So he comes out of the bathroom and he, he essentially like takes her over to his desk and hands her a list of 30 names. He's like, pick one, kick him out. Yeah, you're a shark. You gotta be a shark. Pick he's, one of these people, remove them, your mother gets in. And she's like, I don't. I think we could fit 31 in. And he's like, you've never dealt with the FDA. You definitely can't do that. And she's like, well, can't you pick one? He's like, nope, that's all on you. If you can't do it, you don't deserve to be here. So she's like, yeah, no, if I did that, I could never look at my mother's face again. She would hate me for it. And he's like, I guess you're not what I thought you were. And she's like, well, you know what you fucking are? And goes into, oh, he's a piece of shit who thinks he's smarter than he is. Was clearly duped by a fake Rodon statue. And that feels he, that pissing in front of other people makes him superior. And the fact that he can just do that in front of a woman makes him strong. And she's getting really, really fucking angry. And uh, he pops a blood vessel in his brain somehow and dies. And then we cut back to the past again. Back to the past. It's a Code Lyoko reference. Yeah. Do you get it? I'm aware. So, Deirdre. Deirdre? Yeah. Deirdre. For some reason, I keep mixing the name up with the name of the blonde guy who makes explosive clay statues in Naruto. I guess. Their names are spelled similar and like... Yeah. But Deirdre is crying to Father Duffy about her family's troubled past and how no one believes her. Well, first off, it's nine months later. Oh, yeah. She's super pregnant. And she's, like, t- saying that she thinks her mother was pushed from the balcony that she didn't jump. And Father Duffy was like, no, she jumped to her death. Yeah, and she's also convinced that Aunt Carlotta had Patrick killed, and she's convinced that that was the body she had seen being courted off. Duffy also thinks that... It was the man, Lasher, who impregnated her mother. Who, who, yeah, who impregnated Deirdre. Oh, Deirdre. And she's just like, no, it was Patrick. And I think Aunt Carlotta killed him. And I'm really scared. And I don't feel comfortable here. And he's just like, no, of course not. Your family is nothing like that. They're really important. And then she susses out that he's terrified of the ants as well. Yeah. We also always get the term ants, even though mm -hmm. we've only met Carlotta. Yeah. So that should probably play into something in the future. But after he leaves, or he eventually is just like, whatever, none of that matters. I think you just need to be saved, basically. He's just like, look, you just really need embrace Catholicism more and everything will be fine. So she kicks him out because he's doing nothing to resolve anything and just ignoring any complaints she has. And she goes to jump off her balcony. Like her mother. Yay. But then Lasher stops her with magic powers. Yeah, he just appears out of nowhere, grabs her hand and pulls her back. Yeah. She says she has no reason to live because she just knows that the ants will never let her baby live the life mm. that it deserves to live. And Lasher tells her that... This baby will is, change your life. It will change everything. Mm-hmm. And that he can help her. She just needs to willingly bind her, her will and her life with him. And he says that the necklace you're wearing, the one that your mother gave you, is that. And that's why you can see and talk to me, basically. But you need to make this decision for yourself. So you need to see something. And then he goes through all kinds of weird demon reveals, a bunch of different faces, weird mystery Because she things. accepts him and he has to like do his whole, this is who I really am. Yeah, and she's just like... Oh, Okay, whatever, puts necklace back on. And so, in his own words, he is now eternally hers. Mm-hmm. Entirely and, hers, sorry. Yeah. And then she goes into labor. Yep, and puts the necklace back on. Yeah. Which apparently, as long as she's wearing the necklace now that he, that he entirely is hers, he can't, like, travel away from her. He's bound to her. We know that because we jump back to the present. I mean, she gives birth to her child here. Oh, yeah, sorry. And then as she tries to hold her child, Carlotta whisks her away, says the doctor needs to see her, and then disappears. Yeah. And um, then we go back to the present. But the aunt is also like telling him, is handing this baby to a woman mm-hmm. and she's like, she can never know who, where she's from, da, 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 da. And the woman she's handing her to is He's, Elle. Yeah. Um, They've driven off into the middle of a field in nowhere. She's like, you are no longer a Mayfair. You cannot call. You cannot contact. You will change your name. You can never tell her where she came from. And this Ellie is just like, understood auntie and leaves. Also, 
I don't think her name was in the medical files that we saw because this is supposed to be like a full circle moment where we, where we find out that the woman in the chair this entire time has been Deirdre. Although like you could piece it together, but like I think that yeah. was supposed to be like a, a moment. Maybe I don't know, man. But then we jump back to the present day and Dr. Stevens, I think his name was. Dr. Keck? No. Uh, Limley. No. The doctor. Oh, Deirdre. yeah, yeah, yeah. The other doctor. Oh. <laughs> So many doctors. Deirdre's he, doctor. He comes um, back to treat her again, and he notices, like, scratch marks around the necklace. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you poor thing. Even trying to take this off, and he takes it off for her, and then he pretends to give her another shot. He has a whispered conversation with her real fast about how she has to pretend that she's still under so that... He can have time to get a lawyer involved, make sure they can get her out of here, and also so the drugs can wear off and she'll be fine. And then we cut to Rowan, who wakes up in her boathouse mm-hmm. and sees a man outside her window... And it's Lasher, but she doesn't really notice that, but we can see that it's Lasher. And that's the end of this episode. No. No? What am I missing? Rowan's mom dies at the very end of this episode. Oh, that's true too. My bad. Rowan's mom dies. She's crying and she's like really fucked up. And then Cyprian also gets a call that Lasher is on the move. Yeah, because the necklace has been removed from Deirdre. Yeah, so he goes to call Ellie and no one picks up. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was pretty good. Like yeah. in episode foreshadowing what he, what happens when I can't pick up the phone. Yeah, uh, yeah, good good moment. I like that because a lot of shows just wouldn't have him make that phone call on camera. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So. Thoughts on the first episode of Mayfair Witches? This is the best of the two episodes. Yeah. And it's still very boring. I would argue it's stronger in the back half of the episode. Yeah. But it's still kind of very boring. I would agree. Honestly, uh, most of the Deirdre stuff kind of bores me. Which I... I- I liked Interview with the Vampire and Lestat and mm. the three or four books in that series I read, but Anne Rice's stories always start off very slow, painstakingly slow. Yeah, and literally the one that has the fastest start is Queen of the Damned. Yeah, and that's just because Queen of the Damned assumes you've actually been reading the rest of the series, which the rest of the series doesn't ever seem to think you need to have read any of the other books. Oh no, in. that's not true. Lest- Vampire Lestat, if you pick that book up cold, you're gonna be so fucking confused. Yeah, it's, it's but, slow as fuck, but like... Yeah, I, I'm talking about like the way it's... It slow rolls the beginning, though, so much. Oh, like, yeah. it's trying to be a new book entirely in itself, yeah. entirely new intro to the series. Like, it feels like someone trying to set up a new universe every time you pick up a book, except Queen of the Damned is just like, nope, you already know everything, let's go, action. Yeah, uh, which is why Queen of the Damned was the only one that made a successful movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. They didn't even make Lestat into a movie, did they? They skipped it? We have Interview with a Vampire the movie and Queen of the Damned the movie, but there's no... Yeah, I don't think it's a Vampire Lestat movie. Which is fair. Vampire Lestat. Pretty boring. That, that book. That book was like, I fought that book. Like, Yeah. So, yeah, I have to agree. I think the episode was all right, but like better at the end. But you were saying something about Uncle Cortland. So if you want to, because nothing in this next episode shapes any of my opinion of whether or not I think he is on the side of the ants or not. Oh, uh, I just, I think like the ants have sh- like, the, the ants want are actively, seem to be actively keeping Lasher bound to her. I think they're just trying to actively get in the way of any of Lasher's goals, and they don't want her to make a permanent deal with Lasher. So when she does, they decide the only way to contain Lasher and any of his goals is to keep her in a coma. Whereas I think Cortland's actively working with Lasher, and the man he hired became an avatar for him because Lasher doesn't seem to be entirely corporeal. Yeah. And the guy who then became, and then became demonish is when Lasher possessed his body. I think Cortland is actively at odds with the ant and working with Lasher, and they are trying to contain lasher fair enough i think they are actively working against each other 
I kind of assumed a, a larger plot, but what you're saying makes more sense. It also is kind of represented in the way the two parties live their lives. The ants are very religious, religious, and... uptight. Yeah, they live in a big home, but they don't seem to do anything. Whereas Cortland is throwing this lavish masquerade party when we see him lounging about, very laissez-faire, with a giant fucking snake for some reason, getting a foot massage and being like very oddly turned on by being like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about the pinky toe just yet. We'll get to that later. That'll be the fun bit. Yeah. I, I think, okay, so I think you're right. I think that makes sense. Anyways, we move on to episode two, The Dark Place, which opens in 17th century Scotland. Yep. In Donnelly. Yep. In a small cobblestone home. Yep. Where a haggard looking tired woman is tending to a sickly man. And then she sends off her two daughters to go fetch some herbs in the forest because they are apparently really going to need them. Specifically Willow Bark and Burdock. Yeah. So Burdock. Sorry. So we then cut to her daughters off in the field collecting stuff. They're picking um herbs, like actually like yep. picking flowers and herbs. Which uh I don't know what burdock is. Not gonna it's pretend. a root. Okay. So they're not picking burdock, obviously. Well, I mean, you could pick burdock, but I've only ever heard of people using burdock root. Mm. And they're obviously not getting willow bark. So they're obviously not doing what was asked of them. They're just well, picking herbs. I would assume they're collecting herbs on their way to like the location where they know to find those things. Like, oh, fuck it, I'm on my way. That was my assumption. I, no, I just like how they were told to go get two specific things. And they're getting anything yeah, like we, else. But it's like when you go shopping, you're like, I'm going for two specific things, but you're in the fucking store. So, they're so, in the fucking store. The store is the fucking forest. It's the 1700s. No, but like, well, she's, she's specifically sending them out because the sun is setting. Yeah. So it's like, very much not setting in the next scene, though, so it doesn't matter. So, like, so in my brain, you're right. It is like going to the store and you, you go for two yeah. things, but you leave with like $200 worth of things. I get it. But also, the sun is setting, so she sent them out to go get them before the sun sets. So it's more, it's less like you're just going shopping. Look, I'm more like you, you have to go get these two things, you've got to be back in 10 minutes. Look, I get that. I understand that that's your issue here. And for some reason, they're picking other stuff. You know what I think is a bigger balance than that? The fact that the older sister goes off to give a guy a hand job instead. That's probably. Probably more of a problem than picking extra herbs. To be fair, he does threaten her. I mean, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Also, maybe he, like, we don't know what the relationship between this is with the rest no, of the story. No, this is just a very weird scene. I assume this might be some previous old incarnation of Lasher, maybe? Yeah, that's what my, that's what my thought was. Still an unpleasant time. Yeah. And uh, very unnecessary to the bulk of this episode. By yeah. which I mean completely unnecessary to the rest of this episode. With no context, this scene just, it, it feels well, well, like it, a different show slash It ends with thing. Suzanne, the older sister, giving the man a, 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 a double-handed hand job. Mm-hmm. Um. And then she looks up at the sky and a bunch of crows fly away. And then yep. we, that's the end of that. Yeah. And we're back to the modern day. Yeah. Where we have a distraught, despairing Rowan sitting, sitting in the, yeah, a, so, a fairly empty down a house, her mother's house. Mm-hmm. And well, she's, her, her adopted mother's house. Yeah. I mean, it's her mother's house, Josh. Her adopted mother's house. Her, her actual mother's house is in New Orleans. I'm not getting into the semantics of actual slash adopted parenting. That feels like a bad hole. I feel like you've already picked the wrong side of that statement with the way you've worded things. It, she specifically like calls her mother her adoptive mother multiple times in this episode. Yeah, we're going to ignore Rowan. She has problems. I'm using Rowan's own chosen terms. But she's calling the, the adoption agency to see if she can get anything about it and also just let them know that, hey, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, but like my mother's dead. And yeah, I'm definitely an adult now, but I wasn't sure if you guys needed to know that or not. So I thought I'd mention it. Just in case it changes how permissions work. Yeah. And then the agency's just like, when were you adopted? I was adopted in 1991. We, uh, you didn't get adopted from here. 
What? No, me and my mother definitely talked about. We drove past here. She told me the story every year. Of Southside Bay Agency adoption. Uh, and they're like, well, I guess she was wrong because we didn't start doing adoptions until 1995. And so with a sense of betrayal and angst, she hangs up the phone and stares into the middle distance. And then she goes back to her boat and gets drunk. As she's heading back to the boat, she yeah. notices a black car following her. SUV, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she gets drunk about yeah. it. Because getting drunk about it is the solution. Yeah. And then we cut back to Nolens, where last year is letting Deirdre know that, hey, I found her daughter. It'll be great. Uh, everything will be fine. And he's letting Deirdre know this in like a mind palace situation that Deirdre has going on. Mm-hmm. And he, he reminds her, I, hey, look, I told you that having this child would change your entire life and that change that changes upon us yeah and she's just like well can i meet her and lesher's like yeah you can but uh you're gonna need to wake up and take the power that is rightfully yours so she's like sure wakes up basically like it's a very slow process of waking up but yeah but yeah she wakes up sees the the caretaker of the house the maid feeding her a single tear tumbles down her cheek and then we cut, we cut to a hungover Rowan um, yeah. sloppily making breakfast for herself. And then checking her email for her work stuff. And listening to the news. The news mentions the body of a woman found in Phoenix who was tied by her hands and feet and set on fire. Yeah. I don't know if this is relevant going forward in the series, but I'm hoping it's a witch hunter. Yeah, it sounds like a witch hunter thing. Oh, please be a witch hunter. Uh, and so she pulls up her email and she's not on the work schedule at all this week. So she's like, what the fuck? And calls Keck. And Keck's like, no, nah, I took you off rotation because your mom died, dude. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. She doesn't call. Calling would be oh, yeah. too normal. She storms into his office and is just like, why the fuck am I not on the rotation? Well, just no, like, she calls oh, yeah. somebody and that person's like, I don't know. You'll yeah. have to talk to Keck. So she storms into Keck's office. Why the fuck am I not on rotation? He's like, your mom just died. She's like, I see people die all the time. He's like, yeah, in a work environment. He, apparently he didn't like immediately take her off the schedule. Yeah. But she's like, all of my surgeries post her death have gone perfect. He's like, yeah, but you're taking 1.3 times longer than normal to do your surgeries and that's not okay and he's like look you need time off take time off and she's like i'm fine he's like your mother just died and you saw limley die in front of you and she's like yeah so he's like look i'm trying to be nice like you need this time off she's like what do i what i need is work work is gonna help me through it what do i need to do to prove that i'm fine he's like two stories up two floors up go to the psychiatrist there if she passes off on you i'll let you back on the schedule dr davis i think this is dr six in the show something L- like that limley keck Rowan, Rowan's friend, Stevenson, Davis. Yeah, sick, Dr. Six. Yeah. But yeah, so we then proceed to Rowan having a therapy session with Davis. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously, Cyprian is like scoping out her boat. Yeah. And, well, and it's great. Like they kind of bounce back and forth in this scene because the psychiatrist is like, how are you holding up? And Rowan's like, I'm actually doing pretty okay. I've accepted things. And Cyprian's walking around touching stuff. He touches the counter. We then see a hazy image of her just collapsed into the counter, drinking wine and then just throwing in the glass also empty packets of alprazolam a drug i don't know what it does i'm I think assuming it's, it's like a sleeping medicine yeah so we just see her going around attaching her all stuff getting to understand her grief and pain he also sees what happened to limley and he's like oh fuck alprazolam is a sedative meant to treat anxiety and panic disorders yeah it's a controlled substance so if she doesn't have a prescription she's illegally taking drugs yep yeah. so we come back to the psychiatrist's office and like the psychiatrist is just like seeming pretty okay with everything wrong saying and then the psychiatrist brings up limley's death and she's like well he just dropped dead in front of you that'd be pretty terrifying and that this is the conversation that you attributed to keck earlier yeah right? you're right where she's like i see death all the time and the psychiatrist yeah. is like yeah but in a hospital in a controlled environment where you're expecting it you were not expecting 
expecting Limley to just yeah. drop dead. And she's like, Rowan's starting to get a bit angry and upset. I had nothing to do with it. Why does mm-hmm. it matter? And then the psychiatrist flinches and her nose starts to bleed. She's just like, don't worry about it. It happens all the time. Her nose isn't bleeding yet. Yeah, she gets, she flinches, has a headache, goes to find some medicine. And then she turns back and her nose is bleeding. Yeah. And so Rowan gets up and rushes out. Yeah. And she's freaked out, rushing out of the session. And as she's like ru- rushing to her car, she notices that it's covered in bird poop. And then... Gets very angry about the idea of it. A bunch of crows in a tree above her start squawking at her. Yeah, and three fall down dead. Um, yeah. But we see this also from Cyprian's view, and there's mm-hmm. no bird poop on her car, and there's no crows, which is just... I don't... under like. I mean, from Cyprian's view, we do see her put three crows in a... No, we see her... We see her do the action of picking up those crows... Those crows aren't in the shot. We don't actually see when they were in his shot. No. From Cyprian's viewpoint, there are no crows, which is why this scene has got me fucked in the brains. I don't know what's up with the phantom crows, Mm -mm. but she wraps them up in like a jacket or something and then goes to a beach and buries them in a shallow sandy grave. Yeah. And Cyprian's watching her from afar. And then she takes some pills and falls asleep on the beach. Yep. She then has a dream about her mother being in New Orleans. Being like, hey, you need to go She's follow yeah. me, come to this place. She's, it seems like she's leading her to the house and then she disappears before she gets there. We should clarify, when you say her mother, you mean Ellie, the dead woman? Yes. Okay, because for a second there, I thought you meant De- De- Deirdre and I was like... I would have said Deirdre. But Deirdre's her mother. Yeah. So... While that's happening, Cyprian calls someone and is like, hey, she's really struggling and I'm trying to, you know, help her. I, I like think I should tell her about everything that's going on. And the person she's talking to is like, but then you wouldn't be protecting her from it anymore, would you? Like, if- like she, she needs to know so she can know what to avoid. And he's like, keeping it from her is just going to be more dangerous. She's already killed someone. It could happen again. And he's like, the other person he's talking to is like, do you want them to go to New Orleans to learn the truth? It, it's pretty dangerous. And Cyprian's like, yeah you're right we should keep her safe yeah um cyprian also mentions like before he was taken in by the agency he was on the verge of killing people too like because he heard things all the time and his mother thought of thought he was a devil yeah and like it would it might really help her like quantify what's going on if she just knew his co-workers like yeah but the client spent 30 years trying to keep her from finding out about new orleans if you go and tell her about it now where do you what think the she's point gonna, of all that, yeah. where do you think she's gonna go what do you yeah. think she's gonna do so then we cut back to Deirdre and Lasher, mm-hmm. and he tells her that it seems like she's waking up, but uh, mm-hmm. he asks her if she remembers the electroshock in the hospital, where, where even then with the electric shock and the, ele- the electrolysis, yeah. she couldn't remember her own name, but she remembered how to stay in contact with him. And how to call out to him, yeah. The words that her mother taught her to call out to him. And he tells her to use them. She does, and she fully wakes up. Yes. And when she wakes up, she sees Dr. Lamb, her doctor. Oh, I thought his name was Stevenson. I don't fucking know. I thought it was Dr. Lamb. She sees her doctor. And he is pleased that the medicine seems to have worn off. And he says that he, he thinks he can get a lawyer involved, but she has to like this. I I, can, I mixed this scene yeah. up with last episode. That's he's my like, bad. You have to wait though. And she's like, I can't. I gotta. I gotta get out of here. And he's like, you just really need to wait. And he pretends to administer the shot again. And Deirdre pretends to still be in a trance state. Yep. Back on the beach, Rowan is awoken by a party, which wild that she just wakes up on the beach and there's like a guy on a dirt bike riding around the beach and a party going Honestly, on. Honestly, like, it felt like an homage to Lost Boy style par- vampire parties. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I was like, she immediately wanders off the beach. Like the setting for this is completely unnecessary. She just wakes up, looks around, wanders off. She the could beach. have just woke up on the beach. They yeah. didn't. They didn't need to cast these she extras and like, all these extras who apparently were just like, "There's a passed out lady. What if we partied around her body? What if we just had a party around her?" And then, uh, and then someone has to in that group and have been like. How do we know it's on a dead body? Dude, that would just be so much more like dope. Like, what if we just party around a dead body? Has anyone checked? Why would we, man? 
But as she walks off, disoriented, she sees the black car again, Mm -hmm. and she feels like she's being followed, so she yells out, and then Supreme steps out, and he's like, I'm not here to hurt you or anything, his hands are up, he's like, I just want to help. She attempts to leave, he grabs her by the wrist, and like, his psychometry powers go off, and he collapses to the ground, and she calls an ambulance, administers like, emergency. First aid? Yeah, ambulance... Shows up, takes him to the hospital. She steals his cell phone and then uses his face to unlock it. Yep. And they're like, hey, you can't ride in the ambulance. You know policy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, I'll follow behind. So she gets to the hospital, but the ambulance has arrived earlier. He, at some point, woke up and was like, I he can't. refused treatment. Yeah. yeah, refused treatment. Like they got in there and he's like, I'm not staying. I'm just going to go. So when she asks them where the patient went, they're like, oh, he left. Mm-hmm. We can't do anything to stop him. So yeah, she goes through his phone and finds a bunch of pictures. Like first it's pictures of her and like what he's been, basically everything we've already seen already where he's taking pictures of her. Yeah. And then she sees a picture of her mother and her mother. Deirdre and Ellie. Yeah. yeah together in front of the house in New Orleans. And it conveniently says at the bottom, New Orleans. It doesn't have like any other thing on it just as new orleans which honestly who does that with like a picture especially what seems to be like a family picture who's just so, like I, what I've if we just put the name of the city that we all know we live in that i i've seen that in like pictures for like vacations yeah but never for like this is the home we live at then you normally put like a date maybe like an address if you've like just recently moved in or you're like getting ready to move or whatever right but yeah, never just yeah. like Hey, you all know how we grew up in this city and live in this city? What if we put the name of this city on the bottom of this Polaroid we have? And then there's another picture from 19... That's dated 1990. Yeah. And it's a picture of Ellie outside the mansion. And in the background... Is Lasher. Yeah. So she gets on a flight to New Orleans, obviously. Like you do. Mm-hmm. To be fair, she's not a lot of work right now. Yeah. She is a surgeon and she's one of the... She is... Other than the chief of surgery, the top performing surgeon. Yeah. But, and like, there was a huge thing in the first episode, not even like a huge thing, but a thing where her friend was just like, I don't know why you let Keck treat you like that. Well, there's also the thing in this episode where she's like, where, where Keck was like, your, your patients are spending 1.3 times as much time under anesthesia since your mother's death. And she's like, it's still faster than you. It's, it's, she's like, it's still faster than anybody else's yeah. times. And like, he doesn't disagree with her. He's just yeah. like, the issue isn't that it's not fast enough. It's that your efficiency is dropping and thus your efficacy rate isn't as good. And that, that you're points... clearly showing problems with how you're doing your job. And that points yeah. to potential future issues. Yeah. But she's not wrong. Like, mm-hmm. But from uh, her basically booking a flight, getting on the plane, we then cut to Deirdre, who is fully conscious and alert now. And just walking around. I mean, she's getting another visit from Lasher. And he's like, I'm going to give you the strength you need to find Rowan and everything. And uh, also, she's on her way here right now. Yep. And so Deirdre, like back in her childhood bedroom, she puts the necklace back on and Lasher is now rebound. Well, not even like bound to her. Like, yeah. Because he was only bound to her because she was in a state of mm-hmm. unconscious and couldn't, like, yeah, yeah. facilitate him. So, Deirdre and Lasher hook up again. And in a very creepy thing, they, Deirdre and Rowan are apparently bound together enough that Rowan also experiences all of it asleep on the plane. Yeah. Very uncomfortable moment. And then, then it's the next morning. Yeah, and then... The next morning, Deirdre overhears Carletta and the maid talking about a meeting. Deirdre plans to crash the, like, meeting. It's, like, like church meeting of some sort. Like, not a, not a church, but, like, a function of a church. Yeah. What do you... What was the look? She doesn't plan to crash anything. Okay. Carlotta and the help are talking, and they both kind of talk about how they don't like the doctor mm, in this yeah. moment, and they're talking about not letting him come back or whatever, and Deirdre's just, just waiting for Carlotta to leave. Carlotta leaves. Their maid goes off to do something, and Deirdre gets up to leave, and yeah. as she's getting ready to exit the front door... The maid 
maid sees her, mm-hmm. but the maid lets her leave. Yeah. As the maid is happy to see Deidre up and walking around again. Yeah. Like, she's apparently not in on the whole keep you in a coma plan. Yeah. So she lets Deirdre leave the house. And as Deirdre's leaving, we see a bunch of flower petals shower down on her. And then we get we cut to an exhausted Rowan who arrives at her hotel, uh, oblivious to the fact that she literally walks past her great aunt in the hotel lobby um i mean there's still more with deirdre there man oh i'm sorry deirdre goes to Cortland's house where Cortland is just like it's so great to see that you're up and everything i wish i could have helped you i'm so sorry i haven't been here for you i'll give you clothes anything you need i'll make sure you're fine yeah and he he shows he's he's really regretful about like not doing anything yeah in the past um he inquires about lasher and she lies and tells him that after all these years she doesn't know if he's there or not yeah then we come back to rowan yeah i'm pretty sure we come back to rowan after he sh- after she so after she shows up at Cortland's house because I think the next time we see her, Coraline and her are just casually talking, and then stuff happens. And then, so Rowan walks past her aunt, checks into her her hotel, mm-hmm. I guess maybe takes a nap or something, and then we cut to her at the bar. Uh, as she's checking in, a tour guide walks past. Okay, yes. And she tries to ask the clerk at the hotel desk if he recognizes the picture, the house in the picture, and he's like, no. So then she goes to the hotel bar where she runs into that same tour guide, mm-hmm. and she asks the tour guide about the mansion, and she the, the tour guide immediately recognizes it. She's like, oh, this is the old infamous Mayfair house. Yeah, it got taken off the tour because they paid for it to be taken off, but like, there are so many great stories about it. Witches, ghosts, demons, vampires, everything. But it's mostly known for its witches. Yeah. And Deirdre's like, witches? And Rowan. she's like, uh, sorry, Rowan's like, witches? And the tour guide is like, oh, you know, tourists, they'll believe anything. Like, Yeah. And then Rowan's like, well, will this help put it like, will this help put it back on for a detour? And just like slides her money. And the tour guide is like, tourist tries at five. And then we cut back to Deirdre and she's put on the dress that Cortland's daughter used to wear, the old green dress. Yeah. Which is very similar to the one Rowan wore in her dream mm-hmm. with Elle. And Cortland's like, well, what are you going to do now? And Deirdre's like, I'm going to put my daughter. And he's like, dear, your daughter is dead. And she's like, no, she's alive. So she grabs her neck speaks the word that lasher reminded her that her mother taught her mm-hmm. uh her head shoots back her eyes turn like milky white and a white-eyed lasher appears in rowan's hotel room yeah he's looking around and creeps on rowan for a bit but yeah. deirdre like psychically like pulls him away from her because rowan's in the shower and mm-hmm. lasher's like reaching out to touch yeah and deirdre psychically like yanks him away to continue looking around the room and we spot a he spots and she because she's looking through his eyes a key with the name of the hotel on it and she's like she she snaps out of the vision she looks at Cortland, and she's like she's already in new orleans and he goes i'll get my driver to take you there so then we cut back to rowan yep. and she's receiving a call from cyprian and he tells her that he works for the Telemasca. Yeah. And, and that, that they need to meet up, like, right now. That he was recruited by Ellie to protect yeah. Rowan. That they need to meet up. Rowan is, like, not... She doesn't really know what to believe about it, but, like, she agrees to, like, meet yeah, up with him. because he's like, look... I'll help you with your gifts and powers. I understand that it's crazy. There's a lot going on, but like, if you just meet with me, we'll talk. I understand some of what's going on. And she's like, well, how, how would that help? And he tells her an anecdote that he was told about two men lost in the woods looking for the way out and how when they they met up with each other, uh, the one man offered to go with the, the other man and the other man said, but how would that help me? And then the first man says, well... I can tell you the ways that didn't work for me, and you can say the ways that didn't work for you, and together, perhaps we will find a way out. Yes. So then we cut to the hotel, like, lobby area, Yeah. and Deirdre walks in, 
and Carlotta, who is at this like function for her church group, yeah. sees, sees Deirdre. It seems very church group. I don't know if it is, but that's what my brain immediately goes she to. She specifically mentions what the group is called, and like I didn't, I don't remember what, what that group is I, called. I think she said something like a guild meeting, which was weird. Oh, yeah. Mm, I don't remember. But um, I clocked it as like a religious, like the name was religious. Yeah, I, I think she was, it was like a something guild meeting, which, don't be wrong, they are dressed like every like upper mid class let's go sunday church after time meeting bullshit whatever mm-hmm. um but carlotta sees deirdre and it's like instantly confused but like confronts deirdre and she's like, like we're gonna go home and deirdre mm-hmm. goes no i'm not and carlotta's like yes you will and deirdre doesn't say no again she just goes you know if i'm awake so is he and then just walks right past her aunt mm-hmm. into an elevator and then we cut upstairs to where Rowan is leaving her room. She also pushes the button for the elevator. And the door opens and Deirdre and Rowan see each other for the first time since... Ever? Well, no, because Deirdre saw the baby. It's yeah, not the yeah, first yeah, yeah, yeah. Deirdre smiles. Rowan's like, it's you. And then blood starts to pour from Deirdre's super slit throat. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the episode. Yep. Rowan cradles her dying she mother. She screams in shock, holds her dying mother. End of episode. Elevator doors close. Yeah. End of episode. Justice. What you think? How do you like the dark place? Honestly, it has more going on than the first episode, but like not in a good way. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I don't have a lot to say about the show because I just did not like it. Honestly, and... you you know what? I have a good thing to say about the show. Okay, I like Cyprian. I want more Cyprian and Talamasca stuff. I want the show to not be about the fledgling witch doctor, witch who is a doctor, not witch doctor, witch who is a doctor who is apparently the daughter of a demon, apparently, who also has a weird sexual connection with the demon that she is unaware of and is being forcibly exposed to through her mother. Look, it's really weird. I don't like it. It's really weird that Anne Rice went super Christian with her works later on. Yeah. Because, like, her earlier stuff is super not. Yeah, like, I I got some problems with some of the things in here work. And, uh... Also, Telenoska is a fun word to say. Yeah, I just want Cyprian and, like, the people who apparently, assumedly, have, like, witch-based powers, but are also a part of an organization to keep witches safe and or control them. They, they run the masquerade. Yeah, like, that That sounds more fun. I just want more Cyprian and, assumedly, his witch hunter slash witch protector guild thing. God. Yeah, the Telenoska feels like fun. Mm-hmm. The rest of the show does not feel like fun. Yeah, no. Also, it seems wild to me to, to build these two episodes up around Deirdre, like... And then just immediately kill her, yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it's so wild. And it's not even, like, it builds it up in a manner where, like, she might die or like right before this big very important thing like all this does is let us know it's going to be a struggle for rowan to get more information really like that's all it does it's so wild that like the only other thing it does i guess is open up to allow the ants to try to control more about her life i, I like deirdre can't speak out against it i do like the murder mystery aspect of it who killed deirdre he's like who, flasher flasher he wants to fuck his daughter not his daughter's mom oh and that's why he also made deirdre's mom kill herself yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. He's trying to create a more powerful offspring amongst the Wayf- amongst the Mayfair, which is for some odd reason. Or he's trying to get a son or something. I don't fucking know. Also, uh, I don't know if I'm right, but honestly, that's like a plot in like several weird magical blood lineage demon things. It's vaguely the plot of Sabrina. The yeah, Ch- exactly. Like of the, of the Chilling Adventures mm-hmm. of Sabrina. Oh, no. It's vaguely the plot of the comics of Chilling Adventures yeah, of Sabrina. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not a thing I haven't seen before with witches and demons. Like, it's, it's weird, and I don't know why it's a thing I've seen repeatedly in the genre. Huh. Anyways, uh, would you watch more of this show? Honestly, I kind of want to just for more Cyprian stuff. I just want to know what the fuck's going on with the Talamasca stuff. Oh. That's like the only thing I care about, though. Yeah, I wouldn't watch more of this show. In fact, these two episodes... 
I for like I, I so I remember hearing that AMC acquired the rights to the Anne Rice novels yeah. and that they were making a vampire an interview with a vampire show. Yeah, apparently that's good. I remember hearing about also that apparently show. it's very gay, which is accurate. That book is also very gay, even if it's never explicitly stated. Yeah, Lestat and uh, the vampire from Interview with a Vampire very gay together. Mm-hmm. They even have a daughter together, technically, yeah. kind of very gay, very very gay. And this show, I I, for, I forgot that show was a thing. I forgot that, like, I heard, I remember it was being made, I just didn't realize it came out. Yeah. I'd never heard anything about this being made or... I had never heard anything about Witches and Mayfair Witches. I knew Anne Rice had more things that weren't vampire stuff, but more supernatural that tied into it, but I didn't know it was Mayfair Witches. Yeah, but, like, what I'm getting around to is, Interview with the Vampire Season 1 came out in 2020. This, these two episodes have not only made me not care about this show, <laughs> they've made me go, mm, do I really want to get into Interview with the Vampire? Like, I mean, if you really didn't like this, then I would assume not, because I know the books do cross over at a point. I'm assuming that what AMC is trying to do with these shows is build like another Walking Dead type of phenomenon. I mean, they, they still are, they're still doing The Walking Dead. Yeah, like there's- In The new... Walking Dead, Dead City. I don't yeah, know what the fuck one. that is, but it's a thing. It stars- Negan and Maggie. Yeah, that's their names. I don't fucking know. Maggie kidnaps Negan and takes him to a city so that they can both die, I guess. I don't know. I don't I'm know, not man. gonna it's pretend to know. Crazy and it's dumb. AMC's just like we were really successful once. We we will not let this go. We had shows that people cared about. Remember Breaking Bad and The Walking Dead? We do too. That's why we're gonna make Better Call Saul and all of the other Walking Deads. Apparently, Better Call Saul. I mean, Better Call Saul is apparently really good. A lot of people might think, be better than Breaking yeah, Bad from yeah, that's what I've heard. But my point is, they're just going to keep milking those specific IPs until they run out. Anyways, I think that's it for me. I don't have anything more to say about this show. I did not like it very much. It's kind of crushed all interest i had in yeah the interview with the vampire tv show my take is i'm not really a huge fan i really only care about one part of it i guess if you like honestly kind of stilted slow slow witch dramas uh, it's for you there is like a part of me that like really loves supernatural i actually i obviously really love supernatural tv shows yeah i just don't care about this one i don't blame you man but hey if you want to contact us and let us know your opinions on this show the books if you think and we Rice. were unfair or mayfair on the show, you can do so by tweeting us at Copilot's Review on Twitter. Or emailing us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Or you can find a link to both of those as well as our YouTube, our Discord. Discord. Hive. Our Hive doesn't have a link there, but you can find us on Hive at Copilot's Review as well. YouTube, and you've... Discord, Patreon. That's yeah, the ones. Our Patreon. You can find all of that by going to copilotsreview.simplecast.com. Yeah. Anyways, though, thank you for playing with us and please fly again soon. 